I'm sales team turnaround specialist, Jeremy DeMerchant. And each week I bring sales leaders like you, experts and insights that will help you level up your leadership, motivate like a master, and ultimately crush your comp plan. If it's time to raise the bar on your team's performance, then it's time for Sales Team Rescue. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Sales Team Rescue. This is actually episode number 56. I feel I feel like I'm aging week by week doing this show, but I love it so much. And there's so much knowledge that I get from all the awesome guests. And today will be no different. So I'm your host, Jeremy Demerchant. And today our special guest is Jeremy Berg. Jeremy, great name, by the way. Thank you. <laughs> so I'll tell you a little bit about Jeremy. A previous veteran of the food industry, Jeremy held various sales and management roles in B2C and B2B companies before making the move into the technology sector in 2013. He proved himself in an outside sales role and worked his way up. Currently, he's the president of North American Operations for one of the leading machine vision camera companies, IDS, Imaging Development Systems, which has its headquarters based in Germany. He's a husband, father, coach, and generally easy to get along with guy who tends to be on the optimistic side more often than not. Jeremy, thanks so much for joining me on Sales Team Rescue. Thank you for having me, and a great name for you, by the way. As well. <laughs> thank you, thank you. <laughs> so we uh, we were introduced because a previous guest, uh, Lorianne Mirabito, mm-hmm. uh, out here, and she said, you know, you got to talk to Jeremy and mm-hmm. talk about the just the the phenomenal background that you have and your bio. I feel like just kind of skims the surface, but there's so much more depth to you. So tell me a little bit more about your background and what brought you to the place where now you're running this team um, for such a large company. Sure. Um, so uh, I never really knew I was going to get into the sales market. I mean, in college, I didn't know what I wanted to do. So I took communications, which I think is what a lot of people do when they don't know what they're going to do. And I made music videos and uh, news stories and stuff like that. And I, I had fun with that. And uh, I did a, a minor in psychology. And I think that uh, both those things, communications and psychology, are, are things that uh, salespeople use every day, right? So (laughs) um, when I got out of school, I I was trying to find something that interested me and um, almost played professional basketball overseas. And um, but anyway, I was supposed to leave on September 11th, 2001 to fly over to France. And obviously I didn't leave that day. So um, my friend suggested this company, Horizon Foods. It was an outside sales position. They said you need to have a good outgoing personality, which which I guess I did. And, uh, and so I started in this place in Hartford, Connecticut, and it was a hundred percent commission knocking on people's doors, you know, a hundred doors a day <laughs> and just trying to find, uh, you know, a handful of a metal buy your products. Right. Um, thankfully it was really good, you know, gourmet food, Omaha steaks and sushi grades of tuna and that kind of stuff. But, um, but it wasn't an easy sale. Uh, but long story short, I uh, ended up uh, being good at it and ended up being their head trainer for eight years. And um, and once I saw the writing on the wall that that company was was probably going to start going under, um, I left and uh, did more of a longer sales cycle sales. And I, I went to a gourmet food company that did um, they sold candy, cookies, things like that to the big box stores, the Kmart's, the you know, all, all the big, you know, grocery store chains. 
and they were looking to expand their product line into convenience stores. So my goal was to get their products into con- major convenience store chains. And there was, was 60,000 convenience stores around the country. So um, anyway, I, I learned a lot there and, and just, you know, picked the brains of all their top salespeople. And, um, you know, you just want to be a sponge and, and try and learn everything you can and not come in thinking that you know everything. Uh, <laughs> so I uh, was there for about three and a half years. And, you know, I, I wanted to get into something more technical. I've, I've always been interested in technology and, and uh, had a good run in the food industry and was, was looking for a change and to challenge myself a little bit. And found this company on, uh, I think it was through sales ladders or something like that. And, um, and really, you know, hit it off with the hiring manager who ended up um, uh, moving back to Germany where our headquarters is. And uh, they offered me the, the you know, position here and started to work my way up. And, and so long story short, I've, uh, I just learned as much as I could and, and tried to bring value to customers and, and it's, uh, it's paid off. So. Awesome. So, so it's quite the, the series of events. I mean, if you, if you had been on, uh, if let's just assume that the horrible events of September 11th never happened and you were on fl- and you were going to, you said France, right? Yeah. 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 You would have had a totally different story to tell. <laughs> yeah. Completely different. And and my girlfriend at the time is now my wife. Who knows if, you know, if that would have ever, you know, been the case. I mean, yeah, things could have been dramatically different. Man. Yeah. And, and, but I, you know, I consider myself lucky that that's the only way it really affected my life. Right. Compared yeah, yeah. to others. So, of course, of course. Yeah. So the, this process you went through, this transition, you went from, the, the door knocking, which everybody loves, right? Everybody? Yeah, I hear nobody being excited. Okay. No. <laughs> <laughs> to, to, to shifting into um, you know, trainer mode, now, mm-hmm. what do you think that the biggest challenge was going from being the person on the front line doing it to being the trainer? Well, it's hard to train people on the nuances of how to handle others personalities and emotions very quickly right mm. when you're going door to door you have a very short window of approval it's literally a few seconds before the person at the door knows whether or not they're going to be getting rid of you or not right um and it's it's hard to train somebody to be likable in 10 seconds <laughs> <laughs> so um and not only that but uh you know, when it was, when you're by yourself and going you know, door to door, you still have a little bit of downtime between stops. Whereas when you're training, you have to be a hundred percent on a hundred percent of the you know, time throughout the day. And, and so that took some, some getting used to, but, um, you know, and I, I'm not saying I was the best trainer out there, but I did okay. And, and brought some people in and they were successful, but, uh, definitely had some, <laughs> some <laughs> rocky training sessions along the way. Trials and errors. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I gotcha. So, so when you move from that into um, a place where you're, you're you're kind of looking for distributors, right? If you're moving mm-hmm. a company, get into convenience stores and they're in yep. big box stores. How is that? Like, I mean, obviously it's different in a lot of ways. Yeah. But from how you approached it, mm-hmm. what were some of the biggest differences you saw making that shift to that longer sales cycle? I mean, it, it is B two B versus the B two C. Yeah. Um, but also the you know that longer sales cycle what would you say the biggest differences were and, and how did you make that shift to accommodate those? 
Well, it was um, obviously I had to get used to a lot more emailing and phone calls than I had to previously, and you know, sitting behind a desk for most of the day instead of uh, you know being active. Um, but besides that, you know, it, it it is a different game getting involved with uh, you know a lot of the red tape and the politics that are involved in in larger organizations and uh, you know the Seven Elevens and you know. Uh, special circle K's and all those of, of the world. Tim Horton's up by you, right? Yes, you got it. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so, yeah, that definitely took some getting used to. Um, but you know, I had some good people at the company who who I learned a lot from, and and I think I adapted fairly quickly. And and, and you know, but overall, it uh, definitely took a lot of uh, getting used to to adjust to that longer sales cycle and the politics of it. Mm, the politics. Tell me a little bit more about the politics without getting into specific examples, but sure. Yeah. sure. Well, I mean, you know, at, at home, there's an easy political uh, chain that you can, you can work with, right? There's, there's typically a husband and a wife and you know, who's pulling the strings and making the decisions most of the time. It's an easy chain to figure out. Um, but when you're working with a, a company with uh, so many different layers of, uh, and, and it's not always the same way in terms of who makes the decisions in the organization, right? Sometimes you get uh, companies where you think you're dealing with, you know, the president or, or the decision maker, but they, and maybe they are the ones who make all the decisions, but sometimes they rely so heavily on a, a committee of, of people and, and you have to really get into, the, you know, their ears and, and, make sure that they understand your value proposition as well. Gotcha. Yeah. I, I want to ask a, a specific question here. When you, when you took over this, the, your current role mm-hmm. you came from being on the team to leading yep. this, right? Yep. That, and I don't think we've talked about this at all after 50, 55 previous episodes. I don't think we've ever talked to, about this interesting, challenging, sometimes awkward transition mm. from being part of the team to leading the team. And I know for me in my past careers, that was a big thing because I found myself on a few different occasions being some of my best friend's boss. Yeah. It's really weird. So, so talk a little bit about that for you. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it definitely uh, was a little bit awkward at first because I didn't want to, you know, cause yeah, I, I mean, we were on an equal level you know, me and the sales team and we were friends and we went out and did, you know, different, uh, you know, sales calls and trips together, um, as equals. And, and now all of a sudden, you know, I'm responsible for, uh, you know, their salary <laughs> and you know, things of that nature. And so it, it definitely was a little bit awkward, but I tried to make it as, you know, as easy as a, of a transition as possible. And, um, and I'm not a leader with an iron fist. Um, you know, there's, um, almost everything that happens, I bring everybody in and I have open conversations with them and, and, you know, we go through and we help make decisions together. You know, that makes sense for the entire organization and, and the team as a whole. So I think that made it easier um, than me just coming on and, and starting to call shots on things. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think that's one of the, the biggest things for people that make that transition um, mm. is the communication, right? You, going from, um, hey guys, let's do this as part of the team. And then when you become the leader, you need to decide, am I still going to be a let's go do this, which I think is the preferred approach. Yeah. It says, hey guys, go do this. this right. Is be. Mm-hmm. And so, so if you could give one tip and maybe it's what we just talked about, but w- one tip for anyone watching that is in that leadership role now and is now 
the you know the boss to people that were their peers, were their um, you mm. know, you know, teammates before. What yeah. the, the secret is to being because right now you you're having great success. The team is rocking, mm-hmm. uh, and and Lorianne was was bragging you up like crazy. But <laughs> before you get to that point of success, there's these these stepping stones that you need to go through, and that transition. I'm going to guess was the big deal. So mm-hmm. what, what would you recommend to somebody who's, who's there, who's just made that transition into that leadership role and is now leading the team that they used to be a part of? Well, um, I would say just to have open conversations with each person on the team and, and, you know, let them know that, you know, especially if they, ha- if they have uh, hidden concerns, you know, you want to try and bring those to the surface and, and try and overcome those sooner than later. Cause because the more those concerns are not taken care of, the the more they're going to cause some friction that can potentially lead to a, you know, as they say, a cancer in the organization. And, uh, and you know, you can get motivation, lower motivation, lower output in the long run if you don't take care of those things early. Absolutely. No, that, that's great. And, and, and I think that's probably the, the biggest thing. Like I, I, would, I, would, I would kind of second that. That the communication is is so key because mm. if you come in and feel like you're taking over, suddenly the people that were you know maybe best friends with mm-hmm. you, um, are are suddenly resisting only purely because it doesn't feel right. Right. So when everyone's on side and and you can align their goals, mm-hmm. their personal goals with your business goals, and it makes things a lot a lot easier. Awesome. True. So now where you're at, um, you're running a team that's not just a sales team. You got inbound team. You've got uh, mm-hmm. Sorry, inside sales team and outside sales team. I think you mentioned. Yep, yep. And then we have a couple of applications engineers here, and um, yep, office manager, uh, accounting. So, so yeah, we have a good, good little squad. Yeah, well, that's awesome. <laughs> so, so, what do you think the secret to success is um, when it comes to running a team or teams mm-hmm. um, that are that are, are so different? Because outside sales reps and inside sales reps, although they have a similar common goal. They're mm-hmm. different personalities and definitely different job descriptions. True. How do you find that? Um, what difference do you find in managing the, those two different teams? Well, I think it's, uh, you know, there's a lot of trust that has to be involved there, right? You got to make sure you have the right people on, on your team uh, leading those teams. And thankfully I, I'm in a good place where I feel like we do. Mm-hmm. Um, and if there isn't a good fit somewhere, um, you know, I have to rely on those who know those processes in their specific you know zone better than I do to help me get through this and help help us you know make the right change, right? So, um, so I do put a lot of trust in in the different components of our team that I don't you know where I don't have that as much experience, mm-hmm. right? Um, which which so far has worked out well for us, you know. A lot of times when you give people the responsibility and the trust, you know, they, they do good things with that. Right. Um, whereas on the other side, if you, if you're constantly putting your, your, your thumb on their, <laughs> their neck and trying to figure out what they're doing every second of the day, uh, they're not going to really give you the output that you want. Yeah, no, I, I think you're bang on the, you know, we, we've heard the the stories of managers or leaders that say, I'm not asking you to do anything that I have under wouldn't do. Right. The reality is sometimes we're asked to lead teams that we are not as experienced in. Mm-hmm. And, True. and, and a lot of people, I think, take that for granted, but it sounds like you've got things really dialed in and you know that the goal isn't that you have to know things better than the team. You just mm-hmm. need to empower them to the level yeah. that they will 
they'll move forward and do what they need to do to get the job done, whether it's to support you and your goals or them and their goals. Mm -hmm. But being able to give that that little bit of autonomy, right? Right. To, to do the thing and not feeling like you're hovering over their shoulder. Uh, I, I think True. it's huge. So that, I mean, that's probably one of the secrets to your success right there. Maybe, I, uh, who knows? <laughs> I, hope, I think there's a bit, I think there's gotta be some luck involved too, but. <laughs> so you've got the modest guy. So, so guys, when, when uh, I, I reached out to, well, when my team reached out to Jeremy for his bio, he says, you know, I don't really love doing it because I'm a modest guy and it's kind of bragging. Uh, but, you know, and, and I think that modesty is, is also like what makes you so likable. So uh, like makes it easy to connect with you. And so people can trust you, right? You, they, they know that you're not out to just check off a box on your, on your scorecard, um, right. or, you know, hold the trophy up yourself. You want the wins for the, the whole team and, True. and you're okay. Not being the one that knows everything. Right. And, that, and I don't need to take credit for everything either. Right. right. <laughs> and, and, and I think that's one of the, the biggest, um, I guess caveats and their biggest differences between leaders and managers. Mm-hmm. I, I've, I've been a firm believer my entire life that when something goes wrong with my t- team, I'm the blame. And when something goes right, right, they get the credit. True. That's a good way of doing it. And, mm-hmm. and cause otherwise what's the point? Cause you can handle when things go sideways, right? That's yeah. your job right? right. <laughs> to handle it. But when things yeah. go well, I mean, the, the people that matter know that you help do it, but if you can make mm-hmm. your team feel like they're on cloud nine, when they get the win, they're going to be hunting after their next win. Right. And Agreed. So that's huge. So mm-hmm. if you could give us, so I, I want to hear, I'm going to put you on the spot. Sorry. No. <laughs> I, I, I want to hear you um, give, cause I want to give a plug for your company. So I'm going to put mm-hmm. their, their link up here. Um, and it is IDS dash imaging.us i'm going to pop that on the screen uh we'll get that put in the notes as well perfect and tell us a little bit about the company like why why should the audience go and check them out because they're on but i want i want to hear exactly how that lands with the audience go ahead well uh you know it's definitely kind of a niche market that we work with uh you know we do we our company manufactures cameras at our headquarters in Germany, but they're not the point and shoot, you know, Nikon cameras that you're going to buy for your own consumer use. They're basically the eyes for any kind of system that has to be uh, connected to a computer usually. So robots, drones, satellites, um, medical devices. I'm a technology geek, so I get to play with a lot of really cool companies and and some cutting edge technology that they're designing our cameras as the eyes for their system. So for me, that it's something new every day, and and I I really enjoy it. And uh, and we and we make some really high quality products. You know, German you know German companies are known for their quality engineering. So absolutely. Um, and there's some good competition out there, but uh, we have uh, a really strong team of uh, you know, hardware and software engineers, and we make some cool 2D, 3D, and uh, you know, it's all sorts of uh, cameras, software, and now we just started our foray into AI and uh, neural networks too. So we have a camera where um, you can easily train a, a neural network and have it uh, uh, basically running it right on camera and even if you don't know how to train it, typically we, we created something where it's super easy to get into the game. So if you have any people out there that are listening that are um, working for companies that are designing new devices or um, new products where, uh, where it needs eyes, that's probably the, the way they would, uh, they would be looking for companies like ours. Perfect. Awesome. 
<laughs> so before we dive into the lightning round, which I have a lot of fun with, but before we get in there, what, what would you say your biggest challenge has been um, throughout your sales career, getting to the point of like running these teams? What's been the biggest challenge? Well, I think it's, I'm not great at delivering tough news. <laughs> those, those difficult conversations that you know you have to have as a leader. I've never been great at those because I like people and I, and I usually give them the, the benefit of the doubt. But sometimes, you know, sometimes people need to be let go. And um, so that's something I've always struggled with. And uh, but I find that, you know, it's something I have to do. Um, and so, uh, you know, you can always work at getting better at something. Right. But yeah. Um, uh, and then also, um, you know, when it comes to managing my time, there's always certain tasks that need to be done that I really don't want to do. It, you know, it, whether or not it's a difficult conversation, maybe it's just something that really is going to is not going to be fun. It's going to be tedious. But I, if it's important, I try to put those first and, and handle those things. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that answers your question. Yeah, you know, but. Absolutely. And so if you had, uh, I, and I like the, the productivity, the getting things done side, because I know like I started as a sales guy and mm-hmm. I, and I, you know, moved into sales management and now building sales yeah. for other companies. Um, nice. My challenge is always the admin side. Mm-hmm. Like I, I'm so bad that when I do follow-ups with people, uh, or when I have a call book with somebody, I have my VA yeah. who you get introduced to Lori. Yeah. Uh, she goes in as me into my CRM and sends the reminder emails the night before. Nice. Because I'm like, I- I'm done for the day. I put in my time and yeah. think about it. It's 10 o'clock at night. So it's just part of her task now. Uh, Smart. And But but I've got to delegate it because I won't do it. Or mm-hmm. I, I won't say I won't do it, but it's, it's a challenge, right? It feels like one of those heavy tasks. Yeah. So what what tips or advice or recommendations do you have for other people that are in that place where running a team or doing even just doing the sales calls and I shouldn't mm. say just because doing the sales calls yeah. is the front line. It's, it's the, you know, the, the bread and butter, but for people that are, you know, have that personality that being in the conversations, being engaged with people that are really fueled by that engagement. And then they find the administrative or other tasks really tedious. Mm. What, what things have you, have you done, uh, that have helped make it a little bit easier? What recommendations would you make to somebody that might be in a similar spot? Well, you know, um, this is one thing where we have a guy in our organization who's really, he knows our systems inside and out, right? So uh, constantly as a topic on our uh, our agenda when we have our meetings is, what can we be more efficient at? What tedious tasks can we automate somehow? Mm. Um, so we're always trying to to get rid of those those tasks that just drive people crazy, and figure out a, a good way to automate it. Um, and we don't always do a good job of it. There's sometimes four or five iterations before we get it right, and, and sometimes we just realize this can't be automated. Somebody's going to have to do it, and uh, <laughs> and then we try and find out who the, the most junior person is, and that usually gets done. <laughs> You know, I got a, a buddy that's doing a, a video summit right now, um, and he's got a T-shirt that says "Version Done is Better Than Version None." Yeah, and I'm like, that, that's solid. I like that one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I, lo- I love that question though. You asked, "What can we do to, or where can we be more efficient, and how can mm. we automate it?" That's right. That's great, and it's and it's so simple but so powerful. So thank True. you, Jerry. I'm I'm sure the audience can everybody, no matter what the role is, they can take that and say, "Okay, um, how do we make our lives easier by doing it?" 
Right. True. Now, Jeremy, I want to dive into the lightning round. This is my favorite part. And I know a little bit more about you. So question number one of the lightning round, Mm -hmm. we know coffee is for closers. So what is your favorite coffee or comparable drink? Man, sometimes I hate to admit it, but I do love myself a good Starbucks coffee. Nothing um, Starbucks. <laughs> I love a I love a good dark roast or uh, we have an espresso ma- machine here. Those, those little pods, yep. those are pretty good. So I'll have a, a nice espresso or a, a good dark roast coffee. That's that's my go-to. Awesome, love it. What's one movie or book that you would recommend to a sales leader, and why? Um, you know, for negotiation wise, I think uh, Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss is a good one. Um, and Getting to Yes by, I think it's Robert Fisher and William Uri. Those are good negotiation ones. Um, Influenced by Robert Cialdini mm-hmm. and The Power of Focus by Jack Canfield. I think those are the, the top four books I'd probably recommend. Love it. Love it. Great books. <laughs> Who is somebody that you would consider to be a mentor in your life? Well, there's a couple, I think. I'm, you know, I'm a big believer that there's everyone I meet knows something, you know, more than, more than I do about something. So I'm always trying to learn from people. But my dad, uh, my college coach was really good at not only uh, pushing me to getting more out of me than I thought I, I had in me uh, physically, but also he was a big proponent in making sure that you get your studies done. And, and those are first and foremost. So I consider him a mentor. Um, uh, Bob Venora, who was a guy who uh, taught me a lot at Horizon Foods, one of the door-to-door business. Right. And then the guy who hired me here, who ended up uh, was being, he was so good at running our U.S. office, uh, ended up going back and they made him the managing director at our headquarters. So um, yeah, I think those are the four that come to mind. Awesome. Awesome. And the final question of the lightning round and the most fun is what is the strangest thing you do in your daily routine to keep you on your game? Oh, um, daily. Well, I don't do it daily, but I definitely started mixing in yoga, you know, for mental and physical <laughs> clarity at least once a week. So and some people consider that strange, but I, I like it. You were not <laughs> the first one to mention yoga for that question. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, Jeremy, thank you so much. That is the end of the lightning round. Um, and, and guys, I, I think that the, I mean, there are so many pieces that I, I took from this conversation, but is there anything that you want to leave the audience with as far as advice or recommendations, people that are listening are either trying to grow their first sales team or they're trying to expand an existing sales team. Um, and often mm-hmm. listening from that leadership role. Yeah, I, I would say, you know, really include your team in on a lot of uh, a lot of the big conversations, include them in on the conversation, because if they feel like they're part of the solution, uh, they'll be more dialed into, you know, to the changes that are made moving forward. Um, but if, if you just spring something on them and expect them all to just change their mind like that and move forward without any hitches, um, you know, you're probably in for an awakening. Amazing. And I agree 100 <laughs> percent. That's Phenomenal advice. And I know it's a part that a lot of, uh, a lot of managers struggle with. So thank you so much. Mm-hmm. For that. Yeah, my pleasure. This has been Jeremy Berg joining us full of gold nuggets of genius and wisdom from running sales teams. And this has been sales team rescue and guys, you guys watching live. 
Thank you so much for being here. Those of you listening to the podcast or watching the replay, thank you so much. And guys, be sure to go to salesteamrescue.com to catch the replays, to get a link to join us uh, for our next episode. And if you want your sales team blueprinting session with me, go to salesteamrescue.com as well, and we can book that at no cost to you. We will see you next Wednesday, 2 p.m. Eastern, right here on Headspace TV. Remember, guys, get uncomfortable, get results. Cheers. Thanks for joining me. Let's keep the conversation going. You can find more episodes and a link to join our online community over at salesteamrescue.com. If you haven't already, be sure to hit subscribe and give the show a review to help us reach more sales leaders like you. If you'd like our support in creating your own high-performance sales team, book a call with us at salesteamrescue.com.